So we wanted to address just a, a little a little controversy here, very briefly. We'll, we'll probably discuss it later, maybe. But, uh, but well, Sarah, you... you uh... Sure. So there's a website that we refer to a lot called the Lurker's Guide, which is a very old site. It's got a real, like, Geocities look to it, even though I don't think it's actually on Geocities. Yeah. Um, but it collects information about the production of each episode, and it's generally been pretty reliable. Um, one of the things that the Lurker's Guide does is pull quotes from JMS from both. He would post on these sort of early, what are they, Usenet boards? Um he would, also, he would, yeah, or like early conversations with with real time stuff fans. with fans, yeah, and interviews and stuff. In the Lurker's Guide uh, entry for this episode, there's a quote about why this ship that is visiting the station is called the Cortez, and the quote is deeply problematic. Thank you, Joe, for doing the work to try to independently source it, so we couldn't find it anywhere else. But the Lurker's Guide, which your mileage may vary on how much weight you want to give that. We're going to discuss why the quote is problematic, I think, at the end. Yeah. Um, but yep. I think, Joe, also you had a really good point that there's a lot of in-universe reasons why the name Cortez is interesting for this ship. So we can just stick to those for the episode yeah, discussion and, and, and I like tackle the, other stuff later. I liked your idea that it, we could, it could just as easily refer to a number of other Cortez. Yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. I had a list. The ship's name is not the Hernan Cortez. It's mm-hmm. just the Cortez. It's not the Hernan Cortez was a totally awesome dude. They, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would have been maybe a little long. Uh, Possibly. But here, here's some alternate. If it bothers you, the listener, as it bothered me, um, I nominate Jane Cortez, the black arts poet, uh, Carlos Cortez, the communist artist, Gregorio Cortez, the outlaw folk hero, um, or the family from Spy Kids. All of those excellent Cortezes. <laughs> those are good. I like those. It's definitely the spin. <laughs> this well known in 20. So, what, what year is it? 2259. Yeah, 2259. <laughs> See, not many people know that Spy Kids and Babylon 5 actually exist in the same continuity. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I see. They're all in universe. So, this is mm-hmm. just the extended Spy Kids universe. <laughs> exactly. Listener, choose your favorite, although I go with Spy Kids. Do you know what the last song said just before he died? Okay, um, so let's talk about this quote from the Lurker's Guide, which again, we were unable to independently verify. Thank you, Joe, for doing that. We can't attribute. Does Lurker's Guide even say a date? It doesn't have an attribution at all. Yeah, okay. So... Definitely take it with a grain of salt. So JMS, if you're listening, I don't come talk to us about it. Yeah, come talk to us about it. Tell us whether you actually said this and if you still what what you think about it now. I do. I do want to, you know, say as a preamble, this is a 30 year old quote, and yeah, true. 30 years ago, people like Columbus and Cortez, yeah, smart people who did a lot of research knew that they were not very good people, but the general consensus amount amongst you know, the general public was not particularly negative about these people. Yeah. They didn't really know, you know, they still had Columbus Day regularly yep. ce- celebrated in, in the in That's the That's 90s. a thing in many states still. It's yeah. still a thing. Yeah. Let me read the quote yeah. and, then, and then we can talk about it. So the question was, the question to JMS was, should a ship have been named after Cortez, considering what effect his arrival had on the Native Americans? The answer attributed to JMS is, 
If Cortez had not landed in northern Mexico, do you think it would have remained undiscovered until now? Fact number one, somebody was bound to discover the Americas. Fact number two, any sufficiently advanced civilization or culture will inevitably attempt to exploit any civilization or culture not sufficiently advanced to fight back. Blaming explorers for exploring has always seemed to me really kind of silly. Do people really think that if Columbus hadn't landed here, it'd be 1994 and we still wouldn't know the world was round and that this continent was here? The same result would have come. So that's the quote. That's the quote. So apparently 1994 seems like maybe. So Joe's right in that the JMS's generation, even our generation, and as a parent of kids, I can tell you too many kids of this generation are still taught. You know, we talk about propaganda a lot. They're taught what amounts to propaganda Mm -hmm. about colonialism of the Americas. This idea that Cortez and Columbus were just, you know, cartographers, really. They were trying to prove a scientific theory. Um, And that is, we know, not true. Um, Europe had known that the world was round since the ancient Greeks. Yeah. Columbus and Cortez were after land, gold, and slaves, and they were directly responsible for a lot of atrocities. Um, So this is a case where JMS, I assume, did not know that he was swallowing propaganda. Uh, There's some other stuff in here that's problematic, even if you take that out, though which is this notion, there's just a really Euro, a slippery Eurocentric idea in here that um, the result of colonialism in the Americas was inevitable mm-hmm. um, and therefore kind of doesn't matter. The, there's a guy named Jared Diamond who wrote a book in 98 called Guns, Germs, and Steel. Did you guys read that? Yes. And there's, yeah, there's, a, pretty, read it. there's a pretty good Netflix documentary on it as well. And hope you're that not was, citing it as, a, as an accurate No, book, I'm about though. to criticize it. Okay, good. <laughs> because it's not accurate at all. I'm about to, to shit talk it. Jared okay. Diamond, you can also come on the podcast, I guess, if you're listening, which I don't know if you're even still alive. Um, sure. That really was all like a whole book length articulation of this idea that the Europeans kind of oopsie accidentally colonized and conquered because Oops. everything was just all set up for them so nicely and it cherry picks a lot of history um, and it elides individual responsibility. Cause like, even if all that shit is true, which it wasn't, if I found a loaded gun on the street, then I shot someone. It's still my fault. <laughs> like there is res- individual responsibility in the choices that are made. And I don't like that this quote doesn't address that. Um, and it's frustrating because it's something that comes up in the show, right? The show wrestles with this. We have the figure of Londo. It does. Yeah. It's- and Londo is in a very similar position. Like he's got uh, Morden and his associates setting him up for conquest. But we just had an episode where somebody says to him, Elric the Technomage says to him, these would be your victims. This is your choice. And so why is that true for Londo? And if this quote is correct, not true for Cortez. Yeah, and that's what that's what gets me about the quote itself. It seems so antithetical to the message yeah. of Babylon 5. JMS, I don't think, is a racist person. He doesn't have trouble with his moral compass. He does have a cynical view of history. So yeah. I think I think his his comment about, you know, how you know the same result would have happened is maybe just real cynicism on his part. He assumes that if it wasn't mm-hmm. Cortez and, and Columbus the next guy would have come and he would have done the same thing because, you know, we're all exploitative bastards. And and when mm-hmm. high tech, you know, his sufficiently advanced civilization thing, 
you know, that's just what's going to happen. What I, I, I do find a little weird is that he mentions that pe- people aren't blaming explorers for being explorers, Jan. P- people don't like the name Cortez because plenty of explorers who didn't commit any atrocities. <laughs> yeah. So why would you name your ship after one who did? You know, we, we, we don't like yeah. him because he's a genocidal maniac, not because mm-hmm. he's an explorer. Yeah. That's but, I think that's what it comes down to, and it's, it, it's it's a weird quote, and I don't understand it at all. I don't. It, I, I hope he has changed his mind. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it it is weird. It feels more Elon Musk than JMS, to be honest. Oh God, <laughs> yeah. It feels it, just it, more like it, it does. It, it's, yeah, right. Like I'm just gonna be kind of I'm gonna be a little bit dickish and confrontational for fun, kind of a quote. And so I I don't know. It's it, again, we don't have attribution of where this happened, when this happened. Like it's. I'm just super curious, like what was going through his head. And again, like I went to school, you know, I went to school in not Berkeley. So we very much had Columbus Day. And until basically undergrad, I didn't really know that much about actual history of Columbus, which is ironic because, of course, the people, you know, when we were actually, quote unquote, rewriting history in the 90s, as in we were actually uh, writing history to include all the facts, you know, some some folks in my family later called it revisionist history. I would call it actual history. But, you know, when you when you start learning, like all the details, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is, this is some pretty dark, dark stuff. Right. And and yeah, so just like with statues, you're like, why are you going to name a ship after? I don't know. It doesn't seem like a good... Not a good look, not a good move. And so if JMS is listening, it's probably not. We should talk about this. I mean, we should have put the disclaimer up top. We're three white people talking about this. So our yeah, we are. Yeah. Secondary <laughs> to the opinions of any indigenous listeners who want to yeah. tell us what they think about this. I struggle with what you're saying, Joe, about the cynicism. Really? You don't think he's cynical? He seems to be cynical about history, but hopeful about individuals mm. in the show. Hmm. The capacity true. of individuals to make right choices is something that's in there. Um, and even I, after the, even after they make wrong choices, right? Londo being yeah. a great example, right? Londo, Londo going through a plot arc that we're experiencing now in season two, where he's going really dark, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse, yeah. and darker and darker and darker, and millions will die on the show, yeah. right? Because of Londo's choices, and. <laughs> But then later in like seasons four and five, Londo becomes a much more positive character and he actually makes some, you know, some much better, you know, he does some serious things that have really positive ramifications. I agree with you, Sarah. He, he, he does have, you know, an optimistic view on, on, on people redeeming themselves. And maybe, maybe that's why he, I don't know, you think that might be why he, he doesn't. He doesn't think Cortez is so bad. Maybe he thought yeah, maybe Cortez some, redeemed himself somehow. somehow there's, I, I can't imagine how, but yeah, maybe <laughs> some part of history we just don't know about that Cortez wasn't an asshole at the end. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about is the show also gave us a great metaphor for racism and anti-racism recently in mm. the the Mages episode when Veer talks about currents in the universe. Mm-hmm. Like being racist is not as simple as your consciously held beliefs about anybody. We know this. This is there's a vast amount of it is implicit, and we all live in a systematically racist society. So, if you take Veer's metaphor about currents, there is a, a racist current that is always trying to pull us in one direction, and you have to actively try to move against it. And hmm. I don't know if that was how JMS was thinking. That most people did not think about. Well, most white people did not think about racism that way in the nineties. Yeah, um, true. And I think we've got better tools to talk about it now. 
But I also think that in 30 years, there's going to be stuff in history that we were confident about that was totally wrong. Yeah, that we'll learn more about. Absolutely. Right. That's that is <laughs> that is the joy slash challenge of history is that as we learn more, as we as we you know move forward in time, we get a better picture. And that picture is is not the sunny, rosy picture that I at least was taught in grade school. I'm pretty confident that in 30 years, we'll know that Cortez was even more of a duke, of a like dick. Of though. a douche. But, yeah, I tried to say dick and douche at the same time. Yeah. So I invented <laughs> something else. I don't know. You, you turned him into nobility, <laughs> which was, he is not. Historical sources don't tend to like reappear, but it's possible. Hey, possible. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the it's. Dream. Yeah, it's. <laughs> is that it? That conversation it's, wasn't that interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's... The the guys can testify that I was very angry and wrote a much longer rant. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. That includes the the sentence, in the name of the Grey Sector podcast, I name your house Castle Chucklefuck. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one. Um, Too too bad you didn't... uh, I was was just going to excerpt that and use it. I was feeling angry. No, it's true. But uh, Sarah, you brought up something similar like a season ago, because we had a ship that was named after the Von Braun, and that came yeah. up, and it was like, <laughs> oh. But I mean, as, as Joe pointed out in 94, I'm not even sure we knew the full history of Von Braun. It was widely known, the full history yeah. of Von Braun in the US, right? So He made, used I mean, to make propaganda films for like the US government, you know? It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For a while, people thought he was a pretty good guy, yeah. and not yeah. a Nazi. Yeah, um, no, for sure. No, it's... it's whoops! Yeah, yeah, it, it happens. But you know, sometimes you gotta. I don't know. It's that was that was one of those things where it's like, okay, that's interesting. That was an interesting choice. Um, Maybe the Earth Force should have stuck with the numeric convention instead of giving ships names after you know Epsilon Five and Alpha Omega Three. And- <laughs> it could have just been like RV Seven, and everything would have been fine. <laughs> don't name them after genocidal assholes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. No, no one's perfect. The the Earth Alliance Winnebago. <laughs> you know, I, I just I just realized though there there is a very good actually in like we don't know well I guess we think the Cortez has been out there for five years so but we don't know how long the Earth government has been kind of jingoistic and xenophobic so yeah like that, the Cortez might make a lot of sense actually as a name right like if, Sarah Sarah referred to this but I, I my thinking is there's a lot of good in-universe reasons yeah. for why it's yeah. called the Cortez. Like, mainly perhaps because the people running Earth Force are a bunch of fascists, and we yeah. happen to know that already. Yeah, that's actually and a it, good point. it touches on this question of, like, we don't really know a lot about what they're doing out there. Like, are they... Yeah, yeah, because we... Annexing unoccupied worlds? We, we already have I a hope. reference in The Voice in the Wilderness Part 2 of, of telling Earth Force captains that this isn't a bronze tech world that you can just take over. Yeah. So it seems hmm. like maybe the Cortez might be out doing stuff appropriate to its historical namesake. Who knows? Yeah. Dark thought, but thought. Yeah. I it's just, you know, one final thing I'd like to bring up. There is a ship in Star Trek named the Cortez as well. Oh, really? The original or or I believe next it's next gen. Yeah. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. It's a, it's a it's a Barely mentioned, it gets destroyed in uh, one of the, I think, the battles versus the Borg or something. Some big yeah, battle. Five, nine. It, might, it might be in Deep, Deep Space Nine or something. I don't USS know. Cortez. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, Babylon 5 was not the only science fiction television show in the 90s to be 
Absolutely not. In a random, in a randomly inappropriately naming starships the Cortez. And the problem is not the name of the starship. The problem was the it's yeah. true. The clunky defense, if in fact that was. If that's what um, Jameis said and intended to say, yeah. The Cortez fought in the Dominion War. Oh, it was, okay. It was DS, DS9. Because afterwards, they, they took inspiration from this episode. Joe is outed as actually having watched DS9. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. well, we see. No, it, it came up in my, my, my research. Joe, you know, just because of this, when we finish Babylon 5, this podcast is going to change its name to DS9 Sector. Or something. That's not a very good name. Sorry. It's not a good name. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a terrible name. <laughs> Sorry, I was going on the fly. I was I was trying to remember parts of DS9, but I don't remember any of them because I'm not At sure. At one they point were we threatened to become a Star Trek podcast and name ourselves Jeffrey's Tube. So Oh yeah, that's a good someone may have already done that. I mean, if you guys want to do Star uh, Deep Space Nine next, I am happy to mercilessly mock that show because <laughs> we have I think it years is so bad. Babylon Five to get through first. Yeah, we have we have we have a we have two or three or four <clears throat> more years of B five, and to... we have to cover the reboot if they do it. End file. Due to budget cutbacks, portions of Gray Sector remain unfinished. Punk rock today.